Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sana Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Hey guys, this is April Talbert of Gabby Grace Boutique, hanging out in the studio with my girl Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective podcast. It's your boy, the Teflon Don, a.k.a. America's premier steel spinner, a.k.a. the legendary Howard motherfucking Q, Mr. Toes, Elbows, and Sucking Them Mother... Well, I'm not going to go there. Hanging out with Double E, Double E, Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective podcast. Wonder what makes that verbally effective? Hmm. Derek Evans is as real as comedy gets. Or as he puts it, you can fake it to the top, but you will not stay there. The Memphis, Tennessee native unwittingly courted comedy nearly a decade ago at the urging of family and friends who knew his prolific talent should not be contained. He earned a bachelor's degree in human performance sports science from Tennessee State and secured a coveted membership in the world-famous aristocrat of bands. Derek is the newest member of the explosive morning show team, the Kenny Smoove Morning Show on Nashville's 92Q. The clever prankster with a penchant for boyish mischief is also co-creator of the popular Man Code series, a YouTube phenomenon. Even with wildly successful shows at Houston Improv, The Stardome, Nashville's Jazz and Jokes, Zanny's, Chuckle Comedy Store, and other nationally renowned comedy venues to his credit, his ultimate ambition is simple and earnest to remind us it's always okay to recapture the soulful and warm spirit of a child's laughter. He is also a part of the hilarious, according to him and her cast, a show on BET Network, which answers all relationship questions with a comedic point of view. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for joining me for episode 170 of the Verbally Effective Podcast. You know, I've had so many people with Memphis roots on this podcast, and my guest today mm-hmm. is multi-talented, and yes, he is from Memphis, and he's been all over the world with his comedy. His name is Derek Sleazy. Evans, he is an actor, a comedian, a radio personality. What's up, Derek Cleese Evans? What's going on? Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. you I like all those accolades. Ain't nobody never introduced me like that. Yes, called look. out on things with everybody, but never got that line. That's great. I love, look, I love the bio. Look, I was reading the bio. I said, oh, I got a comedian with a long bio. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get the comedy club. Like, all right, he might be about something. The bio looks like something. The bio yeah. looks like something. Yes. 
Okay. I let a woman do it for me. A black woman. See, man, get you a good black woman. Get you your right stuff about together, man. You right about that. Now, you know what? We gonna pop this thing right out because I want to know where the sleazy in your name uh, has originated from. What, what does that mean, Derek? Where, where sleazy it, come from? It actually originated. I got. I didn't have it my whole life. Neither did I give it to you. I don't believe you should give yourself a nickname. That's that's one. It was given to me in college, man, by my friends. Like they, you remember, you know the rapper Easy E. That he called himself Sleazy E. Sleazy mm-hmm. E. So they say I would say anything or do anything, but back then I was just a silly college kid, yada, yada. So they just call, start calling me Sleazy. Sleazy! So people just yelled it. So it became like my my college name. So that I got it at Tennessee State University, right? You know, right street from Memphis. Yes. Yeah, so it just stuck with you, right? Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, it kind of rolls off the tongue. So we're going to start at the beginning with you, Derek. What part of Memphis are you originally from? The original White Haven, aka Black Haven, man, back in the you know the eighties and the nineties before it turned into the hood. It's the hood now. I remember when you know green grass out there, <laughs> two working malls. Green yeah. grass out there. It's a little yeah, green grass going. It's still green grass out there though. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm from the old White Haven back okay. in the day. Oh, Whitehaven, tell me about growing up and, you know, your formative years, growing up with your family in Whitehaven. You know, how did the community look back then? What were you into as a young Derek? As a young Derek, man, look, man, Whitehaven was, I'm going to say it was green. I was green to a lot of the things that went on in Memphis until I really got to, like, junior high. Like, I, went, I went to Rainshaven Elementary. It was like, Oh, rainbows and cotton candy. It was like this. Then my school, my neighborhood got its own to go to Jeter Junior High. So I had one. I went from Rain's Haven Elementary over to Jeter Junior High. It was like East Side High when I got over. Like, what the fuck was going on? So it was like a, I'm, I was, I'm still on free lunch, though. Don't get it twisted. So I'm pole, but it, I'm, I'm going from pole to meeting people like, you know, that's at that date, like we're, I'm in on the class, but you know, I grew up semi hood. Let me say that much. Like, I grew, I got most of the things I asked for. So, it's, if I asked for 10 things during Christmas, I maybe got three of them. The rest of them was stuff that my mama filled in. She thought was cool. Yeah. Like a remote control car with the cord on it. Nobody <laughs> loves that toy at all. That is one of the worst toys you can get. For t- it's a popular <laughs> toy, though. It's a popular toy. It was popular, but your mama, you, your mama knew she didn't want that thing. But by the way, I'm a middle child too. I skipped over there. I'm a middle child. Three middle boys. Child. Middle child. I got an older brother and a younger brother. I grew up with both my parents. It was one of those cookie cut up, you know, houses, man. We won. It ain't nothing special about it. One night, you know, I didn't grow up in no abusive home and my family was a funny, funny family. That's all I can think of. Okay. Growing up. Like I had like a lot of times I'd sit around thinking like stuff that my parents did or said. And I look at like I'd be like, man, my foot was really ghetto and I didn't know it. At the time, they were just hardworking people. I was like, people don't really get old as hell, but they're doing their thing. Cause my dad from Dixon Homes and my mom from Cleveland Homes. I don't okay. know how that, that little connection got together, but they merged and had that shit. <laughs> wow. So you said you're a middle child. Are you and your two brothers still close being a middle child? Yeah. I could, being that I'm the middle child, I had to always share. So yeah. I, I always shared a room with my older brother. Cause we had a cousin that lived with us too. He had cerebral palsy, so he had the other room. So before my younger brother was born, it was me and my older brother in the room. 
together. We're bunk beds now. Let's, let's, let's get this out. We're in bunk beds. And my cousin moved out into like a group home. He got his own house because the state got him. You know, they'll get you a caregiver and give you somebody to care for you. Because he has cerebral palsy for it. So my brother got that room. Boom, here come a little brother. Now I'm in the room. I had a bunk bed all the way to 12 grade. No, you didn't. Were you on the top or the bottom? You better say the, the bottom. bottom they had that one with that full size on the bottom. I lost my virginity in that full size bed. Don't get me. No, you did. No, you did. <laughs> came over there and gave it up to me in that bottom bunk on that full size bed. <laughs> Not the bunk bed, the full size bed, baby. Don't yeah, play. Full size and a twin on the top. You know what I'm saying? But it was a bunk bed. You remember them okay. bunk Yes, yes, yes. You know, some of them were two twins, but you had the luxury of the full okay okay so let's get into the activities you were involved in around middle school high school because i see that you know you eventually went to tsu and you were in the aristocrat of band so did you start playing an instrument in middle school high school in middle school, I started in the seventh grade. And the funny thing about that, I, I had always wanted to be in the band, but my elementary didn't have instruments like that. So I always say, I'm going to play the tuba because the guy behind me used to play the tuba. Like he, he was lived directly with James, James, what was his last name? I can't think of his last name. But he lived behind me. And I used to always stand outside and watch him play. He used to play the tuba. And I said, like, I'm going to play that when I get mine, when I get old enough. So when I got the G dot, you know, the, they go around and ask everybody what they want to play. Most of the guys, drum, don't play drum, don't play drum. I I was a one of what two people that all like the tuba. I said at first, all I want to play the tuba. Man, that band director, my eyes lit up so big. My uh, well, I forget everybody. Mister Hill, Mister Hill, his eyes lit up. He's like, hey, I can tell you, gonna be a good tuba player because nobody just ups and says. He said, you usually have to talk dudes into be, uh, being a tuba player. He said, but you blurted it out. I know you're gonna be good. So they play I played it from seventh grade all the way to college. Made always Tennessee bands. Uh all uh I, I was good. You I was good. a band again. I just used, used to go to those competitions and win first chair. I remember all of that. Yep, I do always Tennessee band. I did uh that was it. That was a really big competition. I only made I made the lower band, the red band, the red band, the blue band. And the wind ensemble, I made red band. I mean, I was good enough for me. I made it, you know. Yeah. There many black people in it. So yeah. I was celebrating that I made it. So wow. that was one of the things. My mom used to drive me all over the country with this band stuff, man. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. Played the tuba. Um, was that reason for you to go to TSU? Or um, how did you end up going to TSU, Derek? That was the reason why. Like, I was, you know, watching. You go to Southern Heritage class and you see um, you know, Jackson State, Tennessee State. We used to go to, back then, we used to get on the buses and go to all these different college homecomings. I mean, they still do it now, but we used to go to all the homecoming parades, go to these different schools. And I, I kind of fell in love with Tennessee State because it, I think it was like 96 or 97 we went mm. to their homecoming. I was like, I, I know I'm going. I said, you can't, man. I saw it was, it was a slew of people. I said, this is where I'm going. I went to, like, we go to everybody, like Valley, Southern. Uh, we, didn't, we went to FAMU homecoming. We went to a lot of places to homecoming. But that TSU homecoming, I was like, man, I'm sold. It ain't got nothing to do with academics. I said, <laughs> it, 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 I, I, 
it was niggas everywhere. Can I say that? It, they niggas everywhere. everywhere. Yes, you can say that. Wow. But you know what? A lot of people say that, like homecoming. Ooh. They they all they got to do is go to one homecoming and they sold on going to a lot of these HBCUs off yeah, off the top. Right. That's all these black little black boys and girls need to see, man. They need to bring them around homecoming time to do a campus tour. Just not just because of the party, but just to see, man, everybody that look like you that's around. It's a it's like a big it's a family reunion. It's a college family reunion. That's basically yeah. what it is. You get to see everybody drunk, but having a good time. It ain't no drunk. I'm gonna kick everybody ass out here. It's a, Let's celebrate. It's a celebrate. I'm happy. I'm, I'm 18 again for one day. I'm 40 years old. <laughs> yes. But all friends, you went to college again. I just, I be wanting them to see the camaraderie because that's what I met all of my lifelong friends. I mean, I'm still cool with high school friends, but my college friends are like blood. I feel you. Yes. I, I understand. I understand. I'm I'm Lamorne on college alum. So me and my folks are still tight to this day, especially my sorority sisters. Uh oh. Um, What's wrong? Yeah. You, what you got your name? Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Corporation. Okay, Alpha Psi. Yes. Tell my yeah. sister what's up. Tell her I said ski we over there. <laughs> Ain't nothing but the Lord right there. I couldn't do anything, man. But, uh to me, I'm gonna say it now. I'm 40 years old. Anybody gonna beat me up? I wanted to do Omega Sci-Fi when I was in college, but they were kicked off the yard, and by the time they was coming back on the yard, mm-hmm. I was graduating. So it, I ain't one of those people like, well, since I ain't here, I'm, I'm gonna do this instead. So I was like, shit, I do not. But that, exactly. that's what I want. That was the road I wanted to go down. Well, when you know, there's college. always grad chapter. Oh, that, that ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, I'm cool with everybody now. Like, I made all, like, it's really, I think it's more so for the connect, you know what I'm saying, and, and business ventures within life. I feel like I can touch all of those fellas now because of what I'm doing now, comedy, because I done done comedy shows for damn near just about all Greek. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I got one coming up. I'm going to do one for the Eastern Stars in a minute, in a yes. few few weeks so yeah man I'm, I'm i'm in the loop i think if i wasn't in the loop i probably would be bad. yeah but I'm in the loop. i feel you i feel you now let me ask you this Derek. i see that your degree over there at tsu was a bachelor's degree in human performance sports <laughs> science where that come from where does that come from <laughs> now that is the dressed up educated way to say pe teacher <laughs> He's teaching. Yeah, okay. I'm human performance, sports, and science. Wow. So I, I'm supposed to be a health and wellness teacher or a PE teacher or some some of that sort, or I could be a director of a, a, a boys and girls, but one of them, you know, health facility, something like that. That's that's what that degree basically say. But I I thought I was gonna go into teaching. I mean, but I I didn't. I ended up doing comedy straight out of college, and I just start, I started getting on the road. And by that time, I hadn't even taken the teacher's exam or none of that stuff. I like I like the comedy. Wow! So like, you started comedy ever, in college. Yeah, like towards my life. I wish I had started earlier in college, but I started started like towards the end, like when I came back because I had quit, and I came back to finish. The, that's another story. My mama told me. Go on and finish it, boy. You're almost done. You only got a few hours. You had to have an hour in the I'm like 20 something hours. I, you know, I was on this man, first college. I ain't this stuff ain't do that. So she was like, just go do it. Like, finish yeah. it up. So I went back, man. I got them little 20 hours and I finished. And I was finna take the practice. I went to grad school and everything. I was in grad school. 
And then that's when I moved to Houston. Yeah, I moved to Houston like a little bit after that. Okay. And that's when I ended up in Houston for a while. Wow. Okay. So let's tell me how this entire comedy lifestyle started. Okay. You was in college. Uh, you know, were you joking with your friends? People was like, you know what? You need to do some comedy. How did it all come together? Man, it, it all came together as a man in high school because my uh, band director, uh, Mr. Huston, rest in peace, Mr. Huston, he's always telling me because he had a he had a jazz band. He's like, look, you always playing and silly boy. Look, I vouch for you. You want to come open up for me? I let you do it. You know what I'm saying? You can come in the adult club. I let you open up and get some comedy. I'm like, nah. As a kid, I'm like, nah, I'm not. I'm scared. I'm not I'm scared. So in college, same thing. Making my band members laugh, making just think of a whole auditorium <laughs> of people laughing at you in college. You just playing and joking and going. It was just, it just became people like, man, you can come, you can come. And so finally, my friend was doing stand up comedy, another friend of mine in college, his name Timothy Lyon. He's like, man, I'm putting this comedy show together. Don't get you five minutes. You know, that's like a guest spot number there. I got me five minutes together. I got up there and did great. And I said, you know what? I like this. I like it was like a drug. And the th- that's, and that's and that's what I still that's why I still do comedy, man. It ain't even about the money or the fame. I never wanted to be famous with it. It's addictive to make people laugh for me, man. That is the drug that drug of entertainment is what I love. It ain't got nothing to do with it. I, it can be, I can just make people laugh. If somebody just gave me somewhere to live, somewhere to eat, maybe like just get to make people laugh every day. I do it. <laughs> okay. that's, that's the, like that's that's the drug to me. I can't get get rid of that because I enjoy seeing people grab their stomachs, their head. Mm-hmm. You say you stupid. That that's that's what I get out of it. Mm-hmm. It ain't. I love the money. Don't get me wrong, but I I can't explain that feeling, man. Like what makes you happy? Like like that's why I tell people. Like what makes you happy? Okay, then would you? Do it for free, and they'd be like, "Yeah." So that's how I feel about coming. I mm-hmm. probably would do it for free. And and you know what you said? You know, it's not about the money. Um, I, I've heard stories of comedians, you know, having to start off not making much, but to see their journey keep going and those gigs keep coming and getting bigger and bigger. I know that has been interesting to say the least. <laughs> Man, I know you got some stories to tell. Any comedian, man, I'm still a poet, but man, that that first beginning, they, I, I, I never forget all the old years, no matter where you go. They be like, you funny, you funny. Hey, keep your day job though. Don't ever quit. You don't ever think that you that funny that you got to quit your, uh, no, your, your day job. So it's a, it's a poet industry. Comedians yeah. are very. The week we poll, the promoters, the promoters be broke. Club owners be pensioned. You get, I mean, you go to a comedy club, they'll give you a BS check. Unless you headlining or hosting and the feature, mm-hmm. you're doing like an opening spot or a guest spot. Really, a feature spot, they pay just chump change too. Them, hey, man, it's hard out here. I be feeling right. soft. I done got $15 check. I done got $25. I done got all the way up to $7,500 for doing this shit. I got $75. It's, it's highs and lows, man. Yeah. It ain't like you're a rapper, RB artist. It's my, it's my price. It's it. Or DJ. DJ is a firm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, this is this is what I am an hour. If you want it, you can take it or not. Comedians, we got to negotiate with these people because, you know what I'm saying? 
We need it. Sometimes they, they know we be needing. They be like, man, I got two fifty. Can you come up here and headline for me? I'll be like, two fifty dollars, man, to drive to Birmingham. Come on, bro. What I, I'm burning a hundred of it getting there. So I I I'd have made a hundred and fifty dollars to come down there. And I'm sleeping. Interesting. Yeah, it, that's a that's tough that's industry that's right that's there. That's wow. And you know what? Let's talk about, you know, with the introduction of social media. So you have this entirely new platform and you have, you know, quite a few people on social media doing comedy, right? Yeah. Um, I spoke with Mike Ware maybe a couple of months back. He was on the podcast, Junior. And yeah, yeah, I know you know him. Um, and we were talking about this very thing about it's a big difference with performing on your phone or on a camera for social media versus having that stage presence Mm -hmm. on a stage. So tell me about that because you've been around for quite a bit, you've been at the introduction, you know, when, when there was no social media. So tell me how that transition has worked out for you and, you know, have you used social media to your advantage with your comedy as well? Actually, to be honest, I am a social media comic at a, in an essence. I mean, because we did these things called Man Code way back in the day. And I mean, we used to do skit, me and this other comedian, Billy Sorrell. That's when I was in Houston, man. We, we did a whole so. That's actually how I started getting recognized from those skits because they had put us on the World Star website. You know, back then, when you actually got on the website, it'll push you real good, real quick and real good. So that's how I got the initial push. And then we started getting booked in these colleges. It's like 2000, maybe. I want to say 9, 10, somewhere around there. So we was, that pushed me. But as far as like, I was doing stand-up at the time, too. We were just doing that. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, well, nobody really on the YouTube thing like that. You know what I'm saying? So you go check. We got a million views on some of these videos. But I think that uh, the internet comedians, man, I think a lot of them are good. But I think a lot of them skip. They, they skip the step, man. You have to, even though you're a famous, oh, uh, you know, internet comedian, I still think you got to hit these open mics. You may have got this big-ass following. That's true. I'm not, I never hate on them because I'm happy they get their money. I wish I could get some of that money again. Help me out, internet comedians. Anyway, <laughs> I think they just start hitting these open mics, man, and, and not be so arrogant where you don't, you know that you're funny because all of us know that we're funny, but don't be afraid to add one of them niggas to teach you how to walk, talk, hold a mic, what not to do, what not to say, and stop, I mean, stealing jokes. You ain't got to steal. Yo, like stuff. I'm like, I'm gonna be honest. Like the the funny internet comedians, me like country wine. I love country wine. Oh yeah, he's good. He's young fly is a funny funny internet guy. I can't I can't name all that I think funny, but I like Tori Turner. She real funny. I actually performed with her uh, before. She she real hood. I like hood comedians. Like they do they do their whole. They know how to transition themselves and give you real life comedy on stage. That's my comedy. I don't want no setup. A, a story with a little corny punchline. I like you get up there, Mike helps me, tell me about some nigga shit, some real, not grimy, but I want to know, man. I, I mean, let me know, like, how the pimps was in your neighborhood. How did the guy, well, I want bring me into your world without, you know what I'm saying, watering it down. I want I want to feel your fun. I, 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 sometimes it don't even be funny, but you laugh because you feel it, right? Right. 
So that so I, I mean draw make me forget about my day, but laugh at the bullshit of my day. Right. So they're them the type of comedians I like. I come from. I like to watch. Yeah. Okay. Comedians, but they they I don't have a problem with none of them. They just skip. They just skip the step. I ain't telling them that they some bullshit comedians, but I think they skip that open mic step. That's the step they need to go to, and that'd be way better than any. Uh, you see, Country Wayne and them. They they got so good at it now. Him and DC Young Fly, even though they started off on the internet. They are beast on the stage now. Yeah, they are. They are. They are. And they've had some TV time to practice as well. So, you know, um, and just think about the pandemic, right? We were all in the house. I, yep. I've seen a lot of people break through as internet stars or comedians, you know, having to be in the house and have to come up with something to present for content. So uh, there you go with that. So speaking of the pandemic, what were you doing? when the pandemic popped off? How did that change your world? Man, it, I was actually in the house, <laughs> working for the station. Uh, I had a few dates, you know what I'm saying, booked up. And actually, I just, I had a couple 500 deposits because of the pandemic happened during it. So dude sent me $500 for half of a, a show I was going to do something, but you know, you can't get it back. Just, I mean, yeah. It is, it is. It so, is, it is, but, I mean, you know. I mean, at this point, rebook me, you know what I'm saying, if you feel like it, but, I mean, he didn't call me or say nothing else about it, but it, it canceled a lot of traveling dates. I mean, I didn't do any virtual shows. I thought it was corny to do virtual shows. I need the crowd interaction. Yeah. Uh, I did a backyard uh, comedy show. I loved that. He had his whole backyard set up, had like a big tent and everything bonfires and all that stuff so he had a backyard comedy or like comedy festival type thing in his backyard that was and that was it man radios they have my own little radio thing set up at the house where i can work from the radio station to the uh, from the house so it was it was it was weird yeah it was like right when the pandemic hit we had just got out of like a tornado tearing up there you know what i'm saying so it was a pandemic then the tornado hit, then we went through the whole summer with the pandemic thing. I remember that, yeah. And then in January, we got hit with that snowstorm. Bam, bam, bam. So we, like, we we was, <laughs> we kept getting hit. Boom, 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 boom. Now, like, then, I mean, so. Yeah. We was stuck. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I remember that tornado. I forgot all about it. You're making me remember it now. Um, but you mentioned the radio station. So tell me how this entire you know, radio opportunity came. Uh, I love radio stories. Tell me all about how the whole morning show gig with 92Q in Nashville came about. I bugged the hell out of Kenny's move. That's what I did. Called him, hit him up, told him, like, man, let me do something. This year is way before he even knew that he was going to get a morning show before they uh, offered it to him. Him, and even with I went to iHeart. Uh, I used to try to get uh, Dola White. They didn't have no room over there. It was just, please, please, please put me, put me somewhere. Just let me come in and sit in here with y'all. Uh, Zach Bugs. I used to go sit in on his show and just watch him. I used to sit. I, I, anybody that was dealing with radio, I used to ask them, let me come sit in. Just let me come watch. Let me come watch. And everybody be like, hey, yeah, yeah, I'd be honored for you to come sit. So I would just come sit. And like, even with me sitting in there, I would, they'd be like, I'd be like, man, good. Say this. They were like, I ain't never thought of like say this. So they'll say that. They were like, man, you need, we need to figure a way to get you in here. So one day, 
my this is my last time I seen Kenny Smooth like at a birthday party. Like we got mutual friends. And I said, Kenny, don't throw me. No, I'm just talking shit. Don't throw me on that show with you. Like, that, that time we had a midday. I was like, don't throw me on your midday, Kenny. It's like, actually. He said, why are you saying that? I got something coming up. I can't tell you right now, but I'm gonna let you know. Man, a month later, this man got a morning show. Hit me up. At first, I was calling at that. Just calling and say something stupid. So he's like, fuck this. He's like, sleazy. Hey, just come up there. <laughs> so I came up there. And this is, this is I, I was working at a country club as a bartender. And I was working at Meharry, uh Medical Club, the black cop, the medical cop. I was working there also. So I was coming there before I went to my job. I was working for free for at least a year on the radio. People don't know. So they do that though, but yeah, like you said, people don't know that actually happens. People don't know this. <laughs> you want some? Sometimes you gotta hey, do this, man. You so gotta pay your I, dues. I work because I'm not. I don't have a degree in radio. I don't. I, I don't have no radio background, so I had to come up there, sit every day, and get my voice, find my voice, find who I am in this radio. What can they use me for? What kind of skits can they put me in? They had, they had to feel me. So I understood that. So, because you know, I worked in Hollywood. So, set up there a whole year. Come when I get off work, or man, they ain't know a lot of times I would call now from my job mm. just to come sit up there. Until one day, the general manager listened to me on the radio. I don't know why she was listening to it that particular day. She asked Candice Blue, "Who's that comedian guy on there?" She's like, "Oh, shit, we got to get him on contract for he or someone gets him." Yeah, because I had. If you know uh you know Rick uh Rick Party, mm-hmm. Rick Party and Sasha, they they had a show in Atlanta, Rick Rick and Sasha show. I, I went that. down there and helped their producer write for that day for their show. And they said they wanted me, so they told another guy that, hey, what can we do to get him and Ken Smooth? Ah, 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 ah. He was <laughs> like, bring your ass on back home. I was doing a show down in Atlanta. And I just sat in with their show because they they don't he was like, no. Nah. So I, that's when they, they, they told me to sign the contract, you know what I'm saying, with Cumulus, like, bring your ass on back here. We want you. We like you. And you can't go nowhere because we like you. So that's my story. I like that story, baby. <laughs> wow. But you see, you had to work for free. People don't know this. They see that you work in radio. They think it's all glitz and glam. Baby, you got to grind for it. <laughs> they don't know about all the, the BS behind it, too, though. Y'all, oh. y'all cut that radio on. Y'all don't know it's it's some crazy people above your boss that's telling your boss to do some crazy shit. You like, why are we doing it? Yeah, it came from corporate. We got to do it, and you got to roll so, with it. You got to roll with it. Wow. Well, quit the job. Either that, either roll with it. And look, many people not gonna quit radio. It's I just don't even know one person that has quit a radio job unless they had another one lined up in another yeah. market. <laughs> they, 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 I remember when the COVID first hit, corporate sent an email, quit. I don't want no COVID, no COVID jokes right now. Sends it to matter, yada yada yada. And we and we had just like the, the day before went like on a, a, t- a, a COVID. We were just making all kinds. We were cracking up, phone calling and laughing. And this move came in it. He's like, hey, man, we can't no, do no, no, no more COVID jokes. During man. the pandemic. <laughs> During the, yeah, so we can't do it. So now, they don't even say nothing about it now. We, man, this shit back open. We can do, we can say what we want to say and all this shit, but that's one of them things I just say, they'll, they'll, I'll be like, man, what's the point? Like, why we can't joke about it? Everybody joke about everything else, I mean, but 
it's one of them BS things um, that I could talk about freely. I can't say a lot of things, but that's just one I can think in particular. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, just radio in general. That you know, you're in there now. Um, you're mm. doing a big morning show. You know, it's a lot of politics behind. You know, these big corporations in radio. You're with Cumulus. You got your iHearts. You got your Citadel. You got all these big conglomerates. Radio One. And, you know, it's a different day and age now. Like, you know, just for example, um, here in Memphis, you know, we have all of these syndicated morning shows. It's amazing that you guys have a local radio morning radio show now we we just started one i say we i'm not what i heard anymore but um while i was there mike evans started one um a new morning show on v101 but to have the opportunity to do that these days with syndication is truly a blessing because yeah. you competing with your steve harvey's and we beat them a few months because it's local people don't and i don't think a lot of cities understand it i don't think it should be no no syndicated show man because it's not personal you can't you can't get danger what's the like we do local love like we got this segment called Local Love, where we show uh, love to the local businesses, the local black business, local artists. We just, uh, we used to do local artists once a, once a month, like play their song on the radio. We can get back to that. Like, uh, not knocking them, not, uh, Steve or Ricky, they can't really do that because they're syndicated and they they not personal with their people. All those calls are not personal. It's a producer and they talking and they cutting, talking, cutting. Talking, you're not talking to Ricky and them for real. When you call in, you talking to us. My producer, our producer is sitting on the board right across from me, chopping it up, not in another room like, like Ricky. You know, he ain't in a little booth by himself. Our phone, I be on the phone. I have to write down the information when y'all win a contest. I talk to you when you win the contest. Not no producer. That's what I'm saying. It's, I think every city should have their own morning show for that simple fact. They can, it'll bring back radio because it's it makes it personal. The more the Breakfast Club is not personal. It's gossip. Not that not it's a bad thing, but it's gossip. You you tune it in to them for gossip. You tune in to Mike Evans and a Kenny Smooth to laugh at your city for the day or get your city news for the day or such and such having a birthday bash. We marching today for such and such. You get that from Mike Evans and Kenny Smooth. You're not getting that from Ricky and And they call it. It's all the lines are always not. When we play a game, the lines like we do our, uh, our we do our version of what they call their strawberry letter. We call ours what you said. So we do our yeah. See, that's personal. That's, that's something that Nashville people say. Memphis uh, people say what you said. So, what you said. So it, we made it personal. So we we have a topic. They call in, get their opinion. Like so. It's, man, I, I, I like local stuff, man. Like I, t I don't want to be, I never wanted to be famous, man. I just want, I wanted to make a n money to survive, man, because I, like I said, I have a, a degree in education. What teachers make? Nope. Everybody knows teachers don't make that much. They should, but if I make what I make in comedy a year or more, that is, if it's more than what I would make as a teacher, 
I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because I don't have to be this big mega star. I have a home, I have two cars, running cars. I mean, I'm happy. So what more do you want out of this thing? You know what I'm saying? When you get all the things, then what? It's D-E-R-I-C-E-V-A-N-S. When you type in my name, you know, it's on Instagram or Twitter, you know, Sleezes Christ is going to come up. But D-E-R-I-C, D-E-R-I-C-E-V-A-N-S. I can't spell my own first name. <laughs> Derek Sleezes. No K. I'm D. Eric. They used to actually say that in high school. D. Eric. Because <laughs> I think I was going to be Eric at first, and my mama just put the D on there. Yeah. <laughs>